0: Welcome to the Life of Christ, Part 2, and um, we're into Lesson 6. We're going to pick up where we left off in Chapter 6. We are at the visit of the wise men now. So, let's begin there. In his commentary, William Hendrickson explains, According to God's promise, Jesus is rightful heir to David's throne. Chapter 1 has made this clear. He is the son whose throne will be established forever. It is fitting, therefore, that royal homage be rendered to him. And this not only by the Jews, but also by the Gentiles. For he is Lord of all. And the gospel call goes out to all, regardless of race or nationality. Thus we see... That there is a close connection between chapters 1 and 2 of Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 1 has shown that Jesus deserves royal honor. Chapter 2 shows that He receives it. Remember again, each one had a purpose for writing. Alright, and so Matthew is saying, this is the King of the Jews. And even though you did not acknowledge Him, there were people that came from the East brought gifts and worshipped him like the royalty he is and what you should have done Matthew is using this in a sense to slap all their faces and say shame on you you didn't recognize your king it took somebody else to recognize him amen like I said they're all heroes every single one of those gospels that's why I couldn't leave any of them out in addition to this Leon Morris points out that Matthew is clearly interested in the divine protection of the child Jesus, and his stories bring out the truth that God works his will despite the opposition of sinful people. Let's stop there for a minute. You know, sometimes we think, oh, how is this going to work out? Think about this for a minute. The government is corrupt, there's no freedom here because they are a captive nation what do you do with this all right and so everything that is going on they're under the scrutiny of Rome all right they don't have rights and freedom like we do and we just take for granted so much of the time you know they're under this this dictatorship that's constantly just deciding well now we're going to tax everybody now we're going to do this now we're going to do that and you just get that's it and this is what we're going to find out that regardless of how loudly the world Barks, <laughs> okay, God still finds a way through all of it. And you can see His hand in things. And no matter how much councils may scream and yell and say, you can never do this and you can never do that. And the government says, no, if you say that, we're going to come and shut you down or whatever. God says, let's see. There are things that people don't realize. Forces that work. You know, we hear it from a demonic side, but let me tell you from a godly side. There are forces at work that are backing you up. There are things that you have no idea that God begins to do and affect change in people's lives and cause things to happen in their lives that when they come to say no to you, there's something happening in their life that causes them to go, Oh, say yes today. And as soon as yours goes past, they'll go, you know what? All the rest of them are no. Hey, who cares? You had the faith. That's what you got. Amen. Amen. Alright, so it doesn't matter how much the world says something can't be done. With God. With God. With God. You're never without God. You're with God. All things are possible. Amen? Okay, and so begins Matthew chapter 2. With verse one now saying, now after Jesus was born. Now notice it wasn't when Jesus was born, all right, but after, and it doesn't tell us how long either. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, all right, according to Micah 5.2, there was a Bethlehem in Galilee as well. That's the reason why they'll say Bethlehem in Judea, so you know which region it was. (coughs) Alright. In the in the days of King Herod, or Herod the King, behold, wise men from the east. Now, can I Point the fact that no number is given. That's right. It didn't say three wise men. No. There weren't three wise guys no. either. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it did. This wasn't a number. The, where did we get the number from? Because of the number of gifts that were given. Gold, frankincense and myrrh, right, which we're going to see in a minute. But again, it was never three. They were wise men and I'll try to give you a little background on these guys because nobody knows anything about them. So what I'm going to tell you is speculation. Did you hear what I said? This is not gospel because the Bible didn't tell us where they came except from the east. But we can speculate a little bit and know it's not gospel. Are we good? Okay, all right. I told you when it's not gospel, I'll tell you. All right. And so it says here, in the days of King Herod, or Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, to understand why Matthew makes the statement in the days of King Herod, we turn to MacArthur's commentary. There's a fair bit here, and let's just go through it slowly, where he explains that this king is Herod the Great, the first of several important rulers from the Herodian dynasty who are named in Scripture. This Herod, founder of the famous line of Herods, ruled from 37 to 4 BC. He is thought to have been Ijumean, a descendant of the Edomites, offspring of Esau. Remember Esau? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Esau, yeah, okay, all right, okay. All right. Herod was ruthless and cunning. He loved opulence and grand building projects. And many of the most magnificent ruins that one can see in modern Israel date back to the days of Herod the Great. His most famous project was the rebuilding of the temple at Jerusalem. Oh, we're going to see that one. That project alone took several decades. That was not completed until long after Herod's death. So it was a huge project. And you know what? He wanted to get in good with the Jews. All right. Now, he, he was twisted in a lot of his thinking. Okay. Because when you look at his life, it was not nice. He was a bad person. <laughs> now, as to the wise men, there are several theories as to who and where they were from. Some say they were Medes or Persians, while others insist that they were Chaldeans or Babylonians. Regardless of the identity of those who finally appeared in Jerusalem, Chuck Swindle tells us that. Now do you have this or you don't? Alright, listen up. Alright. In 586 BC, long before Jesus was born, Babylon successfully overwhelmed the city of Jerusalem, looted the palaces and holy places, selected the most promising students, relocated them to the capital, And among them a young boy named Daniel, who outshined them all. After several encounters with Nebuchadnezzar, he became a favored wise man and trusted advisor. Eventually becoming a high ranking official in the Babylonian government. Daniel also became a powerful prophet. And among his predictions, Daniel wrote that the Persian Empire would eventually be overtaken by Babylon, and a new king would grant the nation of Judah permission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. 69 weeks of years, all right, so that's 69 times 7 year periods, which is equal to 483 years, from that event, the Messiah would appear. So Daniel started giving actual numbers. Alright, so he said it's going to be 483 years and the Messiah is going to come. From the day that the decree was given to rebuild the walls. Okay, so it wasn't when the walls started being rebuilt, it was when the decree was sent out. So as soon as that man said, yes, go, it began. From that point, 483 years and the Messiah is going to come on the scene. Now that was in Daniel 9:24 and 25. On March 5th, 444 B.C., Arctax Xerxes gave permission to repair the wall of Jerusalem. That's in Nehemiah 2, verses 1 through 8. So, 483 Jewish lunar years after this event, any serious student of Hebrew Bible would have been looking for the Messiah to appear. So this is the reason why they believe these wise men came at this time. Because of what Daniel had written. Do you, did you understand where all this came? Alright, so because this had happened, and they had taken this young boy with them, he began to influence them. And he began to map out what was going to happen. Remember Daniel had lots and lots of visions. all right, They were incredible. And some of the most amazing prophetic visions. And in his visions, he let them know when Messiah was going to come. That's why some believe that these are people that came from there. That Daniel had told them, Messiah is coming will come at this point in time. Look for it. Look for Him. Something will turn up. Remember the star? Okay. It wasn't some kind of lunar event because the thing moved and stopped. Stars don't move and stop. Falling stars don't move and stop. Meteorites don't move and stop. Hello. Remember how it stayed? Once it got there, it stopped. So it wasn't anything normal. My question is this. Let me, let me deal with this for a minute, please. My question is this. Be careful how much you explain things away, because there's a, there's a point in time when you can't explain things. What are you going to say when you can't explain something, when something is so far beyond explanation? Does that, is that no longer then something that's viable because you can't explain it? Huh? Do you understand what I'm saying? They there, there are in the realm of miracles. Some things are just God is doing something. Amen? And he'll counteract the laws of physics to do it. He made him up. The law of physics tells us he couldn't walk on water. The laws of chemistry say you can't turn water into wine. Those are laws. The laws of biology say you can't bring somebody back to life, not like that. I mean, they're still trying, and it's weird what they're bringing back. Um, You know, okay? (laughs) I'm just saying, just saying. Okay, there are things that are happening. And you know what? God isn't behind it. Alright? Now I'm not talking about somebody died and you brought him back to life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody made from the ground up. Amen. Okay? <laughs> Alright, so. But this only explains how someone would have known to look for the Messiah at a particular time in history. Not the miraculous movement of heavenly objects to lead them to that exact location. Amen? Did you get all that? So, returning to the wise men now, as Hendrickson points out, we know very little about the wise men mentioned in Matthew 2. I love what he says here, and please take this to heart. The best course for us to follow would appear to be to adhere strictly to the text, and to agree that these Magi came from the East, from either one, Or the other of the two favored areas, the Medes, Persians, Babylons, or Chaldeans, we don't know. So let's leave it at that. Okay, we can play with theories, and they're great, but we don't know. And you'll find stuff on the internet that says, we know. No, they don't. Because somebody else will say, they know something. And it's different to what these people know. And they've got evidence. Sweetheart, we don't know. Read my lips. (laughs) okay? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, then we don't know. If it's not in the Hebrew, we don't know. If it's not in the Greek, we don't know. If it's in the Greek and we missed it somewhere, that's something else. But if it ain't there, it ain't there. Amen. Moving on. So Matthew chapter 2, the latter half of verse 1 and following on to verse 2 says, Behold... Meaning their unexpected appearance aroused considerable interest. Which Matthew wants his readers to share now. He says, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. It was a big deal. It was like, what are they doing in Jerusalem? Do you understand? That's the behold. They didn't just throw that word in there because we thought, Oh, you know, the text is getting a little boring. Let's put a behold in there. Okay? It wasn't that. It was like, Behold! It's like a tree fell on your house. Behold, you're all with me, okay? It's one of them, beholds. What are these people doing here? Okay, sorry, I just got carried away there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) right. It says again, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse 2, saying, Now MacArthur writes, This present participle conveys the idea. Of a continuous action. It suggests that they went around the city questioning everyone they met. Saying, where is he? Now, we we don't get that when we just read this. Because, Because we're not reading the Greek here, we miss that. Like I said, if it's in the Greek, man, we need to then consider it. They went all around Jerusalem. They didn't know where this kid was. This is why I think there was something conscious about this now take this how you want because I can't explain this it's almost like the star looked down on these guys and said they stopped let's just wait here until they get this out of the system because we haven't finished yet we st- remember when they go back up, the star begins to lead them again and then it stops here they stopped next event the star stops never says that the star stopped don't read that in here because it's not here They stopped because they reckon they got to the city and thought, well, this has got to be it. Let's, Let's try a few places. Let's find out where the king lives because we're looking for a king. Those are normally born in a palace somewhere. Let's check and see where the palace is. I reckon that's the question they're asking. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? That's their question. Notice to them, this is what he already is not what he is going to be. Did you catch that? They didn't say who where is he who is born that's going to be king of the Jews? Wow. This is this is incredible. They're saying we know this is this one has been born a king. Remember the, the Christmas carol? Huh? That he is born king. We miss that sometimes. The Herald Angel saying, Glory to the newborn king. Not going to be king. He was a king. He was newly born, but he's a king. You know Herod's not gonna like this, don't you? All right. <laughs> so they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in its rising, the original text says, in the east, and have come to worship him. So they say we've noticed this. We've seen something, we've come here, we know it's meant to be here somewhere. All right, now, notice there is no question about the fact that there is one who has been born king of the Jews. And as Hendrickson puts it, for them the birth is real, the title is true. What they desire is an answer to the question where is he? We know it's happened. Where? Okay, and that's the only question they have. And it must be answered in order for them to be able to fulfill the purpose of their long and difficult journey. Now, as to the star, there are a great many theories as to what its nature was. Let alone how it was that the Magi connected it with the birth of the king and the Jews and everything else. Okay, There's lots of questions there. Among all the theories put forth, most don't explain why the star rose only on the day Christ was born. was visible to all, so it wasn't metaphorical started in the east, remained in the sky, and in motion for a considerable period of time, and then miraculously came to a halt once it reached its destination. Okay? So let's, let's read that. That's in, in verse 9, alright? It says here, according to verse 9, which says, And behold, the star which had been seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Did you see? Did you catch all that? Alright. They saw it. It was in the east. It went before them until it came and stood. Until it came and stood. Interesting, isn't it? Again, there is no planetary phenomenon, such as the aligning of the planets and Jupiter and Saturn, for example, that only occurs for a brief period, that can fully explain all the occurrences described in this verse. MacArthur writes, This could not have been a supernova or a conjunction of planets as some modern theories suggest because of the way the star moved and settled over one place. (laughs) I love that. It is more likely a supernatural reality similar to the Shekinah that guided the Israelites in the days of Moses. See, now we can believe that but we can't believe this. What up? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I think sometimes what happens is, when, when we get to the place of just, you know, we, we know enough to be dangerous, we try to start explaining things, we think, oh, now we know, because we know physics, and because we've made these new discoveries, this is probably what happened. Sweetheart, it was a miracle. Your physics will not explain those things. And the more you try to explain it away, the more and more you're getting into error without realizing it. And the more you're walking away from faith. Amen? And from your miracle. Because as you start to naturalize everything, then at the end of the day, where is faith? Where is a God that can do the impossible? Because you've explained everything away. That's why people like that who like to explain everything away, when they find something they can't explain, they walk away from it. They turn a blind eye. Do you know why? Because it takes faith. And then you have to acknowledge God exists as well, by the way. Anyway, back to this. William Hendrickson puts it best when he says that we should attempt no further explanation as to the identity of this astral phenomenon. Suffice to say that the wisdom and kindness of God is evident from the fact that he spoke to these students of the stars in a language which they could understand, namely that of a star. These people studied the stars, so he said, let me show you something. Amen? Because He's the God of every science. Every field of science today is discovering more and more evidence to prove He exists. That nothing is accidental. Everything has a gorgeous design behind it. And so much intelligence behind it. It's unreal. And if we can just look at that and admire the design, we might become smart enough to understand the designer and maybe see further and gain even more knowledge than we have. Do you hear what I'm saying? It takes that kind of admiration, determination, the two go together. When you admire something, then you begin to see who is behind it. When you see who is behind it, then you start to understand how he thinks. Notice also in verse 2 the phrase, His star. Meaning that this star was unique to Christ. And its sole purpose was to herald the birth of The king of the Jews. It is no wonder then. That these wise men. These Gentiles. Would come to worship him. Isn't that beautiful? That is an important point here. Again the point that Matthew is making. Is that while the religious population of Israel. Wouldn't acknowledge him. And wouldn't worship him. Gentiles from another land. Made a journey to come. Just think about it. They didn't have a week-long party. They didn't come and say, now Mary and Joseph, we travel traveled a long way. Could you put us up for a couple of days? And, and let's, let us talk to him and do stuff. Do you know, they just came to worship him. To give him their gifts. To thank God for seeing the salvation, the Savior. And then they left. And they left another way, because they're going to get a warning. <laughs> Also coming up. Alright. <laughs> <So, laughs> this is great, isn't it? Okay. As William Hendrickson so beautifully puts it, even if the world of the Gentiles pays homage to him, should not the Jews who have received the oracles of God do so? And for the Gentiles, there is this encouragement, the king of the Jews desires to be your king also. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, oh here we go, feathers are going to fly now. Okay, now notice, not was told this, meaning that the wise men did not immediately go to the king's palace as many have thought. We read into this again that the wise men said something to Herod. He heard, because they were knocking on everybody's door. So let's imagine a movie scene now. Are you all ready for a bit of a movie scene? So, there are these wise guys, no, (laughs) these wise men. Not three. We don't know how many. Could be like a group of them. They're going around door knocking. Not to evangelize people. They just want to know where the king is. One of the people that opened the door works in the palace. Are you all with me? And so they knock on his door and says, Have you found the king of the... And they go, We know where the king is. And he says, King of the Jews, born today. Whoa. Say what? And you can see the little bubble in that guy's head. Oh boy. Herod's not going to like this. And you go... Ah, uh, yeah, no thanks, no, thank you very much, we gave the office. Quick, slam the door. Runs off, gets changed, heads off to the palace. Okay, whatever, I don't know, horse or chariot or whatever. Okay, just, gets, just makes it to the palace as quick as possible. Races in, there's Herod sleeping away. God knows what he's doing. And anyway, <laughs> and rushes in and says, we have a problem. You can see Herod going, this better be important. Wake me up at this time of the night. And they say, yeah, there's a whole bunch of guys, foreigners, okay? Foreign Rolls Royce donkeys parked outside. These guys are foreigners. They're rich. They're rich. Remember they're rich? Okay, gifts. They're rich. They don't want to see you. They're looking for the king. Well, I'm the king. No, no, no. Not you. There's another one. (laughs) Here? How am I the last to know about this? I don't know. I just found out right now. Are you all getting the picture? You think Herod slept the rest of the night? I don't think so. My goodness. I think he ran into a meeting and everybody goes, You forgot your pants. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, man, you know, you miss a few steps when you're panicking. I mean, this guy killed off people, <laughs> just saying, you know, just to secure his place. But somebody is born king. What do you do with that? They're not trying to be king, they're a born king. Only way to stop that is to kill. There's nothing else you can do because a person has been born a king. And over the people, you're meant to be leading. And you're meant to be ruling over. Let's finish up this verse. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> it says, when King Herod heard this, again, alright? Wise men didn't say anything. He was troubled. He was literally frightened and terrified. That's what the literal text says. And all Jerusalem, now this is interesting... All Jerusalem with him. Further confirming that these wise men went looking for the Messiah throughout Jerusalem. And why the whole of Jerusalem was now troubled. Because they know what this king is like. They know if he has a bad day, all of them are going to have a bad day. Do you understand? Amen. Alright, we're going to have to leave it there because we still have run out of time. We will understand why King Herod was troubled next time. (laughs) We'll pick it up there. All right. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment.